0: (laughs) to talk about emptiness (laughs) and uh, the difficulty about talking about emptiness is that um, whenever we talk about it we make what's nothing into something (laughs) and um, so uh, so I'd like to this evening try and give a sense of what emptiness is but also um, give a sense of why why it is that the mind, the intellect, can't possibly understand or know emptiness, and yet it can be known. So I'd like to begin by kind of continuing on from a couple of nights ago. I, I was, uh, spoke Quite a bit about impermanence and the the insight into impermanence, the the, the deep experiential insight into impermanence, and how that um, that can bring about the letting go, the the recognition that that there's nothing solid there to hold on to, and when we recognize that, then. The letting go can happen. So that's that's one of the one of the key insights that the Buddha referred to over and over and over again and, and really directed people to giving attention to impermanence and giving attention to the extent that it just becomes so clear and so obvious you can't deny it. There can't be a denial of it. And so if any attempt to hold on to something is seen to, be a, is seen to be futile, and so there's the letting go, which doesn't mean that the object goes away. It just means there's that release, and that's a very important point with um, with regard to letting go, because um, we often confuse letting go with getting rid of, and um, one place where this very frequently shows is um, in the meditation practice when we're having a difficult time. It could be experiencing a painful sensation in the body, or it could be uh, experiencing a a difficult emotional state, or it could be experiencing doubt, or um, just a wide range of, of things that we perceive as being difficult, and, and we, we get to a point where we recognize that there's a holding, this, this kind of sustaining it, and then it's, um, oh, I just have to let go of it, and and we use the term let go, of, but what we really mean is, I have to get rid of this, and the, the, the difficult state gets to be so difficult and so unpleasant and so undesirable that the tendency and get rid of it and when we, when we say let go of what we're really meaning is get rid of and, and very important in our practice to give attention to to our intention and and to see when we when we get in these states are we really inclining towards just letting go just releasing or are we kind of pushing for getting rid of it? and they're not the same because getting rid of is just more of the same stukka. So the so the letting go that comes from really deeply and profoundly um, experiencing, recognizing and, and really absorbing into our being the impermanence of things. So this is one of the key insights. Another another key insight and and it's very much related to impermanence. Um, that the Buddha Buddha pointed out is um, what's referred to as the unsatisfactoriness of things. And what this means is recognizing that things, and, and largely because of their impermanence, things are unsatisfactory in that they can't bring us any kind of lasting peace. Things are unreliable. So what, what brings us pleasure and joy and happiness and calm and peace today, tomorrow it's going to change, or maybe in five minutes it's going to change. We can't rely on these things that are going to change. They're not reliable to, to sustain happiness. So as long as we rely on these external things for happiness, we're setting ourselves up for more dukkha because of this unsatisfactory quality the unsatisfactory nature of things and again largely tied in with the impermanence and so when we, when we again when we deeply and profoundly experience the unsatisfactoriness of things the letting go can happen and, and probably we've all had the experience of of recognizing when something is unsatisfactory and just kind of turn away from it and um yeah so the so the so in the in the recognition of this unsatisfactory nature of things and and again this applies to anything and and one of the features one of the features of insight, of what, what, what's meant by insight in, in, the, in the context of the Buddhist teachings, is that it applies to anything. Okay? So, an insight applies to anything. If, if an insight is to be liberating, it has to be liberating in all situations and in relation to anything, so it just applies across the board. So with impermanence, we can say that impermanence applies to anything. There's nothing that isn't impermanent. There's no thing. There is no thing that isn't impermanent. And because of this, there's no thing that absolutely, ultimately satisfies because they change anything that changes is ultimately unsatisfactory and and it's, it's rather unfortunate that many of us are so dense that it takes a considerable degree <laughs> of unsatisfactoriness before we get it <laughs> so, so giving tension giving attention to the unsatisfactoriness of things and, and hopefully we can recognize that in a way that there can just be this, oh, okay <laughs> okay, I don't have to stay attached and again, it doesn't mean getting rid of, necessarily it's not necessarily getting rid of it's, um, you know, like um, we have a, a, a cop you, know, you have your favorite mug and and every morning for for your your first cup of coffee in the morning you use the same mug and um, and and one day you drop it and it breaks now if if there's oh my god my cup is broken oh, oh what am I gonna do what am I gonna have my coffee in I've been having the same mug every day for so many years. That's dukkha. <laughs> there's there's being there's there's an attachment, there's an attachment there. <laughs> but if if we can be aware of these, the impermanence of mugs, I and mean, mugs, <laughs> mugs deteriorate even if we don't drop them. They deteriorate. They get they weaken. Well, you ever had the experience of picking up a mug and the handle just <laughs> comes right off? it? <laughs> Things, things deteriorate you don't necessarily have to drop it. so if we if we understand that and really get that and really take it in we can use the mug every day and when that happens ah uh, there's no problem it's just in the nature of things it's in the nature of things to deteriorate to break down to break and in, in a sense the, 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 the instant something comes into existence it's heading towards the end of its existence it's like the, the moment we're born we're moving towards our death <laughs> and, and, and so to recognize this so we can still use the mug we can still have things but, but the attachment doesn't develop the, the clinging and, and so as, as, the, as things change There's the openness that allows for the change and doesn't develop the clinging and the dukkha. And and the same with the understanding of unsatisfactoriness. If we know that this cup, you know, every morning it makes me really happy to hold this cup and to look at it and to drink my coffee from it, but if I know that it's not going to last and at some point it's not going to Continue to provide that satisfaction, and I have that in my consciousness. Then I can enjoy the cup. I can appreciate it. I can use it every day. But at some point, it's just let go of. It. And so the the dukkha doesn't the dukkha doesn't arise. There, there isn't the the clinging, and the attachment. So, the, so there's no dukkha with it. So so letting go doesn't mean Necessarily getting rid of. Sometimes, though, of course, sometimes when we recognize that a thing is unsatisfactory, sometimes the relationship to it can be such that the wise thing to do is to turn away from it and just leave it. So, um, what's an example? So, the, the Buddha. The buddha the buddha spoke of the wisdom in some cases of avoidance avoidance tends to have a bad bad reputation among buddhist meditators um but and at, at times it is skillful so for example the buddha said it's wisdom to avoid wild elephants <laughs> <laughs> You have to think back to the culture and the time and the, the location where the Buddha lived. And he said, it's wisdom to avoid rabid dogs. <laughs> and uh, and um, and it's uh, it's wisdom to avoid sitting in bramble patches. <laughs> but... Uh, it's kind of funny to read that in the in the now, in the text now, and and to and to think about it. But but you know, when when you think about it, sometimes what comes up in our mind is, really is wild elephants. Isn't it? <laughs> sometimes um, sometimes just sitting on the cushion really feels like sitting in a bramble patch. So, so sometimes there is a skillfulness in avoidance. Um, and then a third, a third characteristic of things that uh, that the Buddha that the Buddha highlighted and um, and and presented as um, as, a, as a as a quality of things for investigation into and for reflection on and um, and and the insight into which again allows for the letting go and that is the um the conditionality of things and 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 this is in a sense this is also related to impermanence so so why why are things what does this mean the conditionality of things if we look at impermanence we can ask the question well why are things impermanent and a part, of, a, a part of why things are impermanent is because of their conditionality. Because the existence of things depends on certain conditions. Okay? The existence of anything depends on certain conditions. Things don't exist in isolation from other conditions or other things. So for example, Brad was talking about the uh, the courgette seed (laughs) and how the the seed has the knowledge to become the courgette plant. So the, the knowledge is there in the seed, but in order to become that particular courgette plant, it requires a particular combination of soil, of water, of temperature, of sunlight, and all the all these conditions coming together so that the courgette plant that appears is a coming together of all these conditions and if any of these conditions change or aren't present either there won't be a courgette plant or it will be a different courgette plant so the plant doesn't have the plant as it appears in any moment doesn't have an existence separate from all these other conditions and and so the, 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 the changing of the conditions is a factor in the impermanence of the courgette plant okay does that make sense everyone okay so if, if something exists if a thing exists <coughs> because of these conditions and in relation to these conditions then there there isn't actually a courgette plant that can be held on to. Because to hold on to be able to hold on to that plant means to be able to hold on to all the conditions that have gone into it and and which means we would have control over all these conditions and we don't. So there's, there, there's, there's, there's nothing there that we can actually hold on to by the time we hold on to it it's already changed conditions have changed there's been a little bit more time there's been a bit more or less water maybe a slug has come along uh, it's changed so to, to recognize the conditionality is to also see can't hold on and it's the letting go another example is um, this. we call it a bell if I hold this up and say what's this probably everyone or almost everyone would say it's a bell okay but what makes it a bell if I take away this and this doesn't exist can it still be a bell in order to be a bell it has to have this it has to be able to Make a sound. Okay, so this object in itself, without this, isn't really a bell. Another way of looking at it: if I, if I take it into breakfast tomorrow morning and Mm -hmm. put my porridge in it, is it still a bell? Then it becomes a bowl. It's the same object. If I turn it over, maybe then it's a drum. Okay, so, so its existence as a as a bell depends on certain conditions. And one of the conditions is just our agreement that it's a bell. So this so this object in itself is just a lump of metal <coughs> in a particular shape. The the, the bellness of it only comes because that's what we agree it is, and we bring in certain other conditions. And there it is. The conditions change, or our agreement changes, and it's no longer a bell. So it, it doesn't have any inherent bellness. <laughs> okay. So if we hold on, if we try to hold on to this as a bell, <sighs> we're in for disappointment if we lose this. <laughs> and it, and it, it, it's a very poor bell. It's a very ineffective bell. Okay? So, so, the, so the, the, the existence of this as a bell is conditional. It depends on all these other conditions. And without these other conditions, it's not a bell, so there isn't really a bell here that we can hold on to. It's just a lump of metal in a particular shape. This is said to be the emptiness of the bell. This object is empty of bellness. Okay. This is the meaning of emptiness. I was recently on a on a retreat and the the teacher was um that was was talking been talking for several hours about emptiness, and, and suddenly he stopped, he was Tibetan, and he was speaking to a translator, and suddenly he stopped, and he said, he said, um, he said in Tibetan, he said, um, emptiness does not mean nothingness. And the translator translated and he turned to the translator, and he said, say that again. Mm-hmm. And the translator said again, Emptiness does not mean nothingness. And he said, say it again. And the translator said, emptiness does not mean nothingness. And he said, this is a very important point. And he said, everybody, say. <laughs> <laughs> emptiness does not mean nothingness. <laughs> okay, so we have this, this idea. We often have this idea. and We use... The term in this way, we, you know, we speak of when, when there's a lack of any sensations, we say, oh, I'm experiencing emptiness. Or I'm empty, or my mind is in uh, emptiness because there's no thought. This is not what emptiness means. Emptiness means the, the emptiness of thingness, the, the absence of independent, inherent, unconditioned existence. Emptiness means the existence of something only in dependence on and in relationship to other things. A very important point. Personally, I don't like the word emptiness at all. (laughs) And I try to avoid using it. I much prefer the term interdependence or interconnectedness. And that, that's really that—that's what emptiness is. It's the, the the interdependence of this with this, in order to make a bell. Okay, is that clear? Does everybody understand what emptiness is? Oh, well, it's so difficult that <laughs> <laughs> so. So again, the 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 the. Ex- Experiential understanding. We can we can have this intellectual understanding. So we can go through this exercise, and we can intellectually understand this is this is emptiness. But the problem with or one of the problems with the intellectual understanding of it in that way is that we forget, <laughs> right? We forget. So we're get, we're going to go off, and we're going to keep calling this a bell, and keep believing this is a bell. <laughs> And we're gonna forget about its dependence on this in order to be a bell. So the, the insight is 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 a much deeper and much more profound experiential understanding, experiential knowing of interconnectedness, of non non separateness. Non separateness of things. And um and, and and this is the this is the difficulty because the the experience is so different from the intellectual understanding. And it's with, the, uh, with the, the, the insight, with the experiential kind of intuitive insight from within the being that, that comes out of actual experience, with this, then there's ah, nothing to hold on to. And there's the release. And so these, so these, these three insights, these three insights: the impermanence of things, the unsatisfactoriness of things, and the emptiness of things. These are the three crucial insights that the Buddha pointed to as being the basis for real liberating insights. Liberating in the sense that with this letting go, we're no longer tied to those objects. We're no longer tied to the thing. Okay, so we 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 see this and we come to understand this in relationship to things, the things of the world around us. And so we so we kind of turn away from the things, lose lose the interest in things. And then what we do is turn the attention inward. And I think probably at some level, a lot of us, the, the very fact of coming on retreat, I think indicates that to a certain extent, we've, we've got here. You know, to a certain extent, we've recognized that the material things of the world aren't really where it's at. We're not really going to get find our happiness there. <clears throat> and so we turn within. And we look within to find, okay, so the happiness, the peace that we that we wish for, the, the the wholesomeness, the the freedom has to come from within. And so we start to look within ourselves and we look and we come on retreat and we be with the body, give attention to body. So we start giving attention to body and what do we notice? Body is impermanent. Body is unsatisfactory. And body is also empty, conditional. The experience of body depends on lots of different conditions. You know, we can see this in just in, a, in, a, in, a, in, the, in this retreat, we've been giving the attention to the belly. Normally, on a retreat, the main object is the breath. And probably, I think most of you are probably familiar with mindfulness of the breath, and the, and the breath is, is really a wonderful object because it's, it's, it's relatively easy, if we give attention, it's relatively easy to see the, the, the conditionality of breath. We can see how the breath is dependent on and is affected by so many conditions. So. So if you give attention to the breath, you'll, you'll notice that when you're, when you're sitting, the breath is probably quieter than when you're slapping your arms and doing your shikung. <laughs> you notice that if you go out for a jog around, around the field, the breath changes in relation to that. We can notice that um, when we're out in the country, our breath is different than when we're in London. Because of the air quality. The environment affects affects the breath. We can we can begin to see um, with different emotional states, the breath is affected. Sometimes emotion arises sometimes emotion arises. (laughs) The, The the mind the state of the mind affects the breath. So we can we can really begin to see the conditionality and the the interdependence of breath and and of body, of the actual experience in the body, with with different conditions. So we can we can we can see impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and emptiness in the breath. So the breath is a really really um, a valuable object for coming to very profound insight. Very profound liberating insight. So we see all this in the body and then of course there's the mind. You know, we we look at we look at the mind and um, it doesn't take long to see the impermanence of it, does it? <laughs> see how the mind changes so quickly. So quickly. the the, the Buddha did a lot of his teaching by um, similes, with similes, and, uh, and he he would come up with these similes for everything. There's, there's, um, there's, there in, in the in the back of the, the text, often there's a, there's an index of similes, and it just goes on for pages and pages and pages. All the other similes that he uses, and 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 when it came to the mind, the the Buddha said, <laughs> the mind. Changes so fast, it's difficult to come up with a simile to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> so, the, the, so we can we can see the impermanence of the mind. How often we change our minds, even about the same thing. So the the impermanence of it, and the, the the unsatisfactoriness of it, the unsatisfactoriness of mind, partly because it keeps changing. And partly because it's just unreliable. And and, and the older we get, the less we the less reliable it is. <laughs> so the, the unreliability of mind, the and and, and the, the emptiness of mind, the, the 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 existence of mind in relationship to things. We can begin to see how the mind and and everything that goes on through the mind doesn't exist separate from. Okay, so so example, um, sitting at the end at the end of the sitting today I, I said as you open your eyes, just give attention to what's being seen. So we're sitting with our eyes closed. Open the eyes and and, and a, an object is seen and so quickly the mind starts out oh, I see such and such a person wearing such and such a clothes such and such a color the, the mind, and, and that starting up of the mind is dependent on the visual object and if it wasn't the visual object then it's the sound the mind starts up in relation to the sound the mind needs an object to relate to Emptiness of mind. Emptiness of mind. So we look we look at so we look at ourselves and we say, so, so who is this? What is this? What is this that I call me? Who is it that's knowing this? Where does this awareness come from? Why am I doing all this? And, 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 and these are important questions, and this is really getting down to what, what the practice is. It's an exploration of just what is this me that's being held on to. Because it is, isn't it? We're holding on to this me. And, 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 the, and this me is being held on to as kind of the, the center of the universe. I'm here. And there's the world around, out there, the world's out there. Is that how it really is? If we really, if we, if we, if we consider emptiness, the interdependence, is that how it is? When we're sitting, we're just sitting, paying attention to the belly a sound comes. Does it take any effort to hear the sound? Anyone? anyone notice? Does it take effort to hear the sound when the crows start cawing? Does it hurt? Does it take effort to hear that? No. When you open your eyes, does it take effort to see the person sitting in front of you? No, you open the eyes, and the, the seeing happens. You're sitting here, the hearing happens. Does it take any effort to think? <laughs> no, the thinking, the thinking happens. When you put the food in your mouth, does it take any effort to taste something? No. These 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 things all happen just in the nature of the coming together of the object and the sense door. Okay? So we we come into this existence. We're born. We have a body. And as part of this body, we have these sense doors. We have the eyes, the ears, the nose, the mouth, and the body to touch with. Okay? So we have these sense doors. These sense doors come in contact with the sense objects. They connect with the sense objects. Okay, so a sound vibration comes, hits the eardrum. There's a, there's a connection there. And in, in the moment of that connection, if we're awake, <laughs> the hearing happens. And this, this, this hearing happens, there's, there's the knowing of that, there's the consciousness. Consciousness comes into play in that, in that coming together. Okay? It's just... It just arises out of that coming together. <coughs> it's not me sitting here making the consciousness happen. It just arises. It's in the nature of things. Just as a body sensation arises, the sound arises. Just as the breath comes and goes, the sound comes. Consciousness here that it goes. Okay, so there's the coming together of the, the sense door, the sense object, is the consciousness. <coughs> with, with this contact, with, with the coming together of these three things, there's also a feeling. It's pleasant, it's unpleasant, or it's neutral? And this... this <coughs> with the consciousness, in that, in that moment of contact, it's like that's the moment when the hard drive starts up. And, 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 and start searching through memory, searches through memories I spoke about this morning very quickly very quickly and very quickly it comes up with a memory and the memory affects the feeling so if, if the memory is one of pleasantness with that particular object then a pleasant feeling comes if there's an unpleasant memory with regard to that object, an unpleasant feeling comes. So the feeling is conditioned. Yeah, the feeling is conditioned. What also comes is a story. Bird. Noise. Be quiet. <laughs> 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 and then the, the papanta starts. Okay, so, so the the. the of the mind that starts up is conditioned by the coming together okay then part of that story is the mind getting involved in what what the Buddha referred to as perception and perception is the the faculty of mind or the the, the aspect of mind or the I was going to say ability, but maybe it's a disability. <laughs> uh, the, the faculty of mind that perceives the sound is out there. If you really think about it, the hearing's happened here, right? The hearing's happened here, and yet it perceives out there. Where, where is the sound really? Is it really out there, or is it actually in here? But the perception is, it's out there. So 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 the so then the, the the mind perceives the object as being out there and what happens at the same time simultaneously if if the object is out there, then the me who's hearing it is here. And the mind creates a separation. But in fact, the me, the me that's hearing, and and the hearing, in a sense, has come into existence because of the coming together, because of non-separateness, because of emptiness. The emptiness gives rise to this me, and this me is not separate from the sound so the emptiness of me the emptiness of self is that there and and then we can go through the same process for all of the senses we can go through the same process with seeing with tasting with touching with smelling and the most difficult ones with thinking The me that appears, only appears because of, and in relationship to, and in dependence on, and in interdependence of the object. So, if we we understand this, there's there's an understanding that there is really no me. There's no inherent me. There's hearing happening, tasting happening, seeing happening, thinking happening, smelling happening, touch sensationing happening. <laughs> All these things happening out of the comings together, out of the non-separateness of things, out of interconnectedness, interdependence, out of emptiness. Where's me? All these conditions are changing moment to moment to moment to moment. Me, that appears to be so solid, changing moment to moment to moment to moment to moment, faster than we could ever possibly say moment to moment to moment to moment what is there to hold on to? we keep trying to hold on because holding on having that sense of continuity, the sense of permanence the sense of solidity he gives us in a way it gives us a sense of security doesn't it we like to have security and security means continuity predictability reliability how predictable and how reliable are this body and mind <laughs> changing moment to, moment to moment to moment to moment so that that holding on that that that's an attempt to get security actually ends up bringing Dukkha. And to to really from the depth of our being know this and take it in again brings this just ah. And the relief and the relief that comes with that letting go can't be imagined by the mind because the mind sees me here and that there. Me here and you there, me here and the world out there. And that's how the mind functions. That the mind can't really know this, this non separability, non-separateness, non-duality, emptiness. so we can have an intellectual understanding of it but the, the, the actual experiential knowing of it is the relief and it can be known so if there is no me who knows it knowing knows it just the knowing it's just in the knowing. Nothing to hold on to, nothing to get rid of. And the relative level is this: the moment to moment to moment change, coming and going, appearing and disappearing, hearing happening, seeing happening, tasting happening. But in fact, there's, there's, there's nothing to grasp onto, there's nothing to hold onto, there's nothing to push away, it's just life happening. So what can happen with this understanding is that we come to a point where we recognize this in a way that we we can begin to recognize when something is arising and see the grasping, and the insight can be enough to recognize that and to let go. So instead of grasping on all the time, it becomes a series of something comes up, we grasp, we see it, we let go. Ha. Ah. Mm-hmm. Comes up, grasp, ha ah. Comes up, crash, ah and we keep letting go. And this is this is, this is an improvement. <laughs> but it's still in dukkha. It's still in dukkha. There's there's still a, a relationship Things, to sing, to sing, and coming back to the insight into the unsatisfactoriness of things. To come back to that and, and to again to recognize that, to know that, to understand that so deeply that the, the, the Buddha used the phrase, to lose the fascination with things that come and go. And to just completely lose any any belief or any hope or any wish for satisfaction in anything that comes and goes, including this thing. And to, to, to see that to the extent that there's just a complete letting go, and remembering letting go doesn't mean getting rid of, it doesn't mean that this thing just suddenly vanishes or evaporates into oblivion. There's still the relative things coming and going, but just a letting go and something, and this is where the language completely fails language completely fails and people would get to the point and if you get to this point with the the Buddha and the the Buddha would just say stop (laughs) (laughs) you're going too far with this but something shows through which which isn't that which comes and goes we call these the conditioned things and and what can show through in this, this moment of letting go is the unconditioned that which isn't born which doesn't die which doesn't come into existence which doesn't go out of existence which no language can possibly touch and, and the knowing of this the knowing of this and again doesn't mean the elimination of, of this or this or the Korea. <laughs> but the knowing of this is the is the real liberation. The knowing of the the unconditioned, and this is what the Buddha is pointing to. So let's sit together quietly for a few minutes.